The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this football Friday morning, although a lot less football to discuss on today's football Friday, but nonetheless, it is a football Friday, a wonderful Friday here in the city of Tucson. It is, uh, as I mentioned, June the 24th. It is just about 7.04, just about to turn 7.04 on your Tucson uh, Friday morning, and you're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, as we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Got a great two hours here for you today. And if you uh, if you missed yesterday in the uh, the final segment of yesterday's show, I'll just go ahead and put it out there now so that you all know, in case you're early risers, early birds on this Friday morning, um, today will be my final Jeff Dean show uh, here on ESPN Tucson. There is not a it's not a, a situation where I've been let go or anything like that. It's simply uh, I have to step away from uh, from this angle of the business for a while um, to take care of uh, some other things that I've got going on, um, and I'll, I'll go into it a little bit more later on in the show before we sign off and <clears throat> kind of keep everyone uh, up to date because I you know like I, I feel like it's important to keep that personal relationship with you guys that I've developed over the years. And uh, I think, you know, it's important that you, you know, kind of know and you just kind of keep that. Not not that you should care one iota, but uh, I've always been open and honest with you all, and I feel like I've been able to uh, convey that kind of thing and, and, you know, kind of just put myself out there on a personal level, help you guys you know, maybe feel like you know me a little bit uh, a bit better, even though maybe we've never met before, um, which is kind of the way I've always just kind of gone about my business in radio. So, so today will be the final Jeff Dean show. However, you will be still hearing me uh, on the on the on the radio here on ESPN Tucson. I'll still be doing some work uh, for everybody there. I'm still going to be doing some FanDuel spots. I'll still be directing you in the wrong direction with my predictions on FanDuel. So uh, you can still have that, and you know basically just go the opposite way of what i tell you to do there's <laughs> i got some cut some spots yesterday and i'm like oh, i'm sure that these are going to cut these are going to turn out well just uh, be ready for those so uh so yeah so today will be the final show and look we you know we will have a good show today i may i may uh I'm, i've been trying to decide if i want to share one of the stories that i've never shared on the air before uh i'm still trying to decide on if i if i want to share it or not so we will uh, we will see as the day goes on, uh, we're going to talk some Cardinal football. So Tyler, Tyler Drake, who's been our Cardinals insider here, and he's also you'll you'll also hear him on afternoons with Spears and Ali. They've picked him up as their Cardinals insider as well. And there's a reason because Tyler does a phenomenal job. He puts in a lot of hard work every single day. He works seven days a week uh, for Arizona Sports, and he's constantly uh, you know trying to climb that ladder. And, you know, he's a young man, and I've known Tyler for several years. He and I are good friends. Um, met him, you know, via his his uh, his wife. They were husband and wife at the time. They were just you know, kind of dating and, and uh, uh, you know, getting to know each other and stuff. And we became uh, immediate friends. He was looking to get into the sports business. I kind of helped him with a little bit of uh, direction on 
where to begin, where to start, uh, what, you know, things to look for, um, you know, business practices, people to connect with, you know, specific people to stay away from in the business. And, and, you know, so I, you know, I feel like, uh, he has, uh, he has done a lot of the right things. He's put himself into a great position. And, uh, so I was talking to him yesterday and he was like, dude, I gotta come on the show. If it's your last show, I'm not, you know, okay, fine. So he's going to come on the show today at 8.30. We're going to talk some Cardinal football today because it is a football Friday. And we haven't had a chance to talk to Tyler. Uh, you know, I was supposed to talk to him last week. Uh, I was out sick last week, and uh, so I was supposed to talk to him last Wednesday. Didn't get a chance to chat. Uh, this week, you know, things were kind of moving rather quickly and uh, didn't get a chance to get him scheduled. So we're going to schedule him today. He'll uh, he'll be on the air at 8:30. We'll talk some Cardinal football with him, and you know, some maybe some Sac- Sacramento Kings. He's from the uh, he's from the NorCal area there, from the state capital, and uh, he's a big Sacramento Kings fan. And uh, we'll talk about their horrible draft pick last night. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Uh, you, you, who knows? I mean, that's that's the thing with with drafts, right? Whether it's NFL, NBA. Baseball, hockey, whatever draft you you know you're you're thinking of, it goes all the way back into recruiting, which we'll also talk about today because uh, Texas got themselves a big commit yesterday at the quarterback position. You know, it's it's you know when you when you talk about the draft, there are certain guys that you think are you know can't miss products, right? This is a, this is a can't miss you know draft pick here. This guy is going to be a superstar in the NBA. And plenty of times those guys have been busts. It's happened plenty of times before. And yesterday, the Orlando Magic kind of, I guess, pulled the wool over everyone's eyes. If they had Paolo Bancaro as their number one guy from the get-go, or if it all changed rapidly as the clock was ticking, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe Orlando... We'll share that information at some point in time, although I highly doubt it. You always want to make sure that you're injecting the ultimate confidence into these young draft picks. So I'm sure they're going to say he was our number one from the beginning, even though maybe they were talked into it at uh, at the 13th hour in, uh, in just, before they, uh, just before they drafted him. So Paolo Bancaro goes number one. And I talked about it yesterday. I was like, well, if you're talking about NBA-ready prospects, He's the guy. Like he, he's he's the most NBA ready prospect. I don't know exactly what his ceiling is because I, I just I don't know if he'll ever be a great defender because he's really not a good defender at all. And that hasn't been Duke's MO for quite some time. Ever since it was almost like they really shifted philosophies kind of in the middle of everything. You know, they went from uh, you know, a school that was going to be you know, hard-nosed, in-your-face, intelligent players, high basketball IQ that were going to be at Duke for at least three, four years, and they were going to gel as a team and, you know, get all the chemistry going. And then they got into the one-and-done era type of uh, of recruits, and they started, you know, getting freshmen drafted and things like that, and then they just they started giving up like 88 points a game. They stopped playing defense at all, and that's kind of, you know, what they've been for the last oh, 10 or 12 years or so uh, there at Duke. So Paolo Bancaro, I, I, I said I watched him last year. I watched probably, I don't know, nine or ten Duke games last year, or portions of them at least. And, yes, you know, he was a, a, a you know a good-looking prospect. It's 6'10". He certainly got the body for it. Um, 
offensively, he has all of the skills. He's got, you know, a good mid-range jumper. He showed in the tournament that he can step out and hit the three. He shot like 50% uh, from three in the tournament. Had a, you know, had a great tournament, tournament shooting the ball at range. I was always questioned. I had always questioned his his gumption, though. Like, you'd watch him out there, you just kind of plodding along and not engaged on defense most of the time and almost always out of position and just didn't seem to have a real high motor, to be honest with you, unless he had the ball in his hands. And those are the kind of guys that I run from, regardless of what their size is or how much talent they have. I just run from those guys. I, I don't, I, you know, if I'm if I'm a, a talent evaluator, if I'm a GM, a coach, whatever, I don't, I just, I'll take somebody else. Give me somebody who, who wants, wants the action, who wants to play, who wants to put in the minutes on both ends of the court, you know, give the effort i just felt like his effort level was always subpar always meanwhile chet holmgren who went number two to okc there was no uh there was you know there was no question about who they were going to draft we knew they were going to take holmgren number two unless holmgren had gone number one to the orlando magic which everybody thought jabari smith was going to go number one in fact it got so you know i talked about yesterday that that vegas had shut down the odds for a while they reopened um (laughs) And I, did you see, I don't know if you saw this, if you're watching or following along. So Adrian Wojnarowski, Woj, as he's known in the business, basically tweeted out, like, once once Paolo Banquero uh, was, was he, he emerged as an odds favorite in Vegas, okay? At some point yesterday, like yesterday afternoon, like 2, two 3 o'clock here local time, a few hours before the draft, he emerged as the the favorite, and everybody's like, oh, what's going on here? There must be some kind of information. So he tweeted out, my sources still tell me that Jabari Smith is going to be the number one pick for the Orlando Magic. And immediately, Vegas changed their odds and put Jabari Smith back on top. And then, of course, the, <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, the better in me thought to myself, gosh, that's interesting. I wonder if Woes just placed a large amount of money on Paolo Bancaro taking number one overall now that he's at plus 210 as opposed to minus 120. I was like, hmm. Because that's, that's, I mean, that's quite a difference in, in payout. Uh, if you're talking, you know, 10 grand on something like that, that's, you know, we're talking $13,000, $14,000 difference there. So uh, <laughs> I, I kind of got a good laugh out of that. I was like, hmm. That's interesting. Woj putting a Woj bomb in there to give himself some better odds. Not saying that that's actually what happened, but it certainly looked that way for a moment. Anyway, I digress. Chet Holmgren, to me, you know, underestimating him because of the way he looks, because of his slight frame, is the biggest mistake that anyone will make. And I just think that he was, in my opinion, the best player in this draft. And I do like Jabari Smith. I think he's he's got a wonderful shooting game, and he can defend all the positions. He's and he's shown that he can be a good defender. Um, the problem is, Jabari Smith loves to stand with his heels on the inside of the three point line when he's shooting the ball. So his his efficiency is way down. Like he's he's, he's not the most efficient offensive player. He drives coaches nuts. Holmgren has all the tools. The only thing he doesn't have is an extra 30 pounds on his frame, which he may or may never develop. Kevin Durant has been a string bean his entire career and has been fine. Okay? I'm not calling him Kevin Durant because he's very different than Kevin Durant. In fact, he's so different that he's actually considered to be a better prospect than Kevin Durant ever was. Because 
of two things. Number one, his ball handling ability was better than Kevin Durant was uh, when he was in his freshman year at Texas. And number two, Chet Holmgren, for all of the you know all of the guys that were listed as great defensive players in college basketball this year, in my opinion, Chet Holmgren was the best best defensive player in college basketball because I watched quite a bit of Gonzaga basketball. Obviously. I was invested to see what kind of a team Tommy Lloyd left behind, right? It's just just kind of self-interest there. So I watched a lot of Gonzaga basketball. I, I never saw him out of position ever. Like he was, all, he just seemed like he was always in the right spot at the right time. He's a great rim protector, and even though guys will push him around, he gets right back up again. He doesn't complain. He doesn't cry. He doesn't. You know, fake injuries or anything like that. He doesn't wince and stuff. He just gets right back up and gets in the game. Like, give me that dude every day and twice on Sundays. Jamari Smith goes number three overall. The Houston Rockets, no surprise. Once he was, once he was uh, left undrafted at one and two, Houston Rockets made the easiest pick in the, in the draft last night as uh, they get Jabari Smith going number three overall. Then it was the Sacramento Kings' turn, and we talked about this them being the linchpin of the NBA draft. They select Keegan Murray, the forward, 6'8 forward out of, uh, out of Iowa. Now, this is, this is a fit pick for Sacramento as opposed to, in my opinion, best player fit. I don't think Keegan Murray was one of the top seven or eight players in this draft. Um, but because of their current situation with their roster, and they, you know, they just brought on, De, uh, you know, Demonis Sabonis, which, you know, certainly helps, obviously. Uh, but I, I don't know if, you know, they've passed up on best player, better players before because they needed a better fit in Sacramento, and it has not worked out well for them. I don't agree with the Keegan Murray, uh, you know, pick here, but again, I'm not a Kings fan, so I really couldn't care less. Obviously, in my opinion, the better pick would have been uh, either a Jaden Ivey or a Benedict Matherin because Ben would have played much better alongside Davian Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox than Jaden Ivey would have. But nonetheless, it is what it is, and the Detroit Pistons were on the clock. They then selected Jaden Ivey. And I'm like, okay, so are you going to are you going to take Cade Cunningham off the ball, or are you going to make Cade Cunningham a, a, a non-scorer? Like what, like, what are you doing? Like I couldn't, I couldn't quite understand because Jaden Ivey is not a shooter. Jaden Ivey is John ja Morant with 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 basically a little less explosiveness than Jaw, like vertical explosiveness and finishing at the rim. He doesn't have good ball skills. He's not a good passer and he's not a good shooter. He's just extremely explosive and he's the quickest guard. He was by far the quickest guard in this draft. But he's not like he's not a guy that's going to get you you know, eight and a half dimes a game. He's a guy that's going to average probably four and a half to five assists a game in the NBA, and that's, like, top, top tier for for him. Now, he could still go out and average 24, 25 points a game, which would be fine. I mean, look, that's, that's great. You'd, you'd love that. Uh, I just don't know if the fit is right uh, in, in Detroit. But, again, I'm not, I'm not the GM and I'm not the coach, and they're going to find a way to play him, and he could end up being the rookie of the year this year. Who knows? But it was at number six. Once once Jade and Ivy went five, uh, I knew that the Indiana Pacers were going to take Benedict Matherin. I, I just it was one of those things where they worked him out early. They had you know they had initial words of praise for him, and then all went quiet 
coming out of Indiana in regards to to Benedict Matherin. I knew that he was never going to slip past number eight with New Orleans, or at least I thought I did based on who they picked. I'm still kind of trying to figure out what their philosophy was. But when Ben went number six overall to the Pacers, it all just kind of felt right. And um, I was, you know, scouring, of course, all of the Twitter feeds and stuff from the Indiana Pacers and the the state of Indiana and Indianapolis and all that kind of stuff, and they are all just thrilled. The Indianapolis Colts jumped in. They tweeted out, uh, taking a guard at number six has worked out pretty well for us too. And I thought that was awesome because they're obviously talking about, uh, you know, about uh, uh, their guard, their all-pro guard, who's – name literally just jumped out of my head his first name is quentin i know that but uh, the uh, the concussion is still messing with me a little bit here from that uh window falling on my head anyway <laughs> the the uh, the tweeting of the uh, i was taking the guard at number six worked out pretty well for us too and everybody seemed really high on board um with you know with the pick uh sam vicini who is a guy who basically spends his entire life studying and scouting college players and overseas players and how they would relate to and develop into the NBA. This is what he wrote in The Athletic last night about Ben Matherin and this pick. He said, there is a high floor for Matherin because of his natural shooting ability. He'll hit jumpers off the catch. He'll do so off of real movement, and meaning he can generate open threes on his own or without the ball. On top of that, he's a steady pull-up shooter who's taken strides as a creator and playmaker. It's hard to see how he fails on any offense. Defensively, there are questions because of his lack of fundamentals, but he has the tools to make strides in the coming years with proper level of investment. Ultimately, the reason he's ranked this high is his upside. I think teams in time will be able to use him in uh, second-side actions, which I wholeheartedly agree with, if he can learn how to control the ball in terms of his handle, which has gotten much better since last season, by the way. Uh, He said there is a world where he can be a solid number three option offensively on a good team with upside beyond that. I, I you know, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I've always felt, you know, my comparison to, to Ben in the NBA was Donovan Mitchell for, you know, basically this, this entire season. I just kind of felt like where he had developed as a player and, uh, you know, as a, as a, you know, growing into a man, he just seemed to me like, like, you know, a five inch taller version of Donovan Mitchell, and he doesn't have the rapid quickness and explosion that that Donovan Mitchell has, but he has a very similar set as far as everything else offensively goes. He works really great off the ball. He's deadly, uh, you know, as an open uh, an open shooter. He can get out on the floor. He can run the court. He can finish at the rim. Uh, he can rebound well for his size. You know, all those things. Um, and and I think Ben is a, is is an a, an equal, if not you know, yet to, you know, realize how good of a ball handler that he can be. Uh, so Indiana Pacers got a good one. And he, he gets to be paired with, with TJ, the GOAT. So that's going to be fun to watch uh, TJ and Ben there in Indiana as the uh, the Pacers move into this season. The other two Wildcats in the draft had nice evenings as well. In fact, my predictions were almost, they were pretty close, right? They are pretty close. I had Ben going number five to the Pistons, he had it going number six. I had Dalen going number 20 to the Spurs. We'll talk about where he ended up going. And I actually nailed the Christian Coloco draft. We're going to take a timeout. <clears throat> Pardon me. Take a timeout when we return. More of the NBA draft and your Arizona Wildcats next right here. You're listening to the Jeff Dean Show. 
Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Final Jeff Dean Show. It's going to be weird waking up Monday morning and not having a radio show to do. Because I've, I've been doing it for so long outside of the COVID break. Uh, you know, basically been doing, I mean, off and on, I guess, for the last 24 years. I took a few breaks in there. Uh, a couple of them were not my decision to take those breaks, but that's what happens when you work in the world of radio, especially on the air. <laughs> Walk in, there's somebody sitting in your chair. You're like, who's that guy? They're like, oh, yeah, we need to talk. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, nothing like good old job security in the radio business. We're talking uh, NBA draft, and specifically Arizona Wildcats in the NBA draft last night. Now, I had Dale and Terry going higher than most people did. I had him going number 20 overall to the San Antonio Spurs. Then if you if you started watching some mock drafts yesterday, started looking at some, you realize that there were a couple other mockers out there who had him going as high as 20 as well to the San Antonio Spurs. CBS had him going 20th overall. I think Yahoo did, and I think Bleacher Report ended up with their final one, um, had him also going 20th to the San Antonio Spurs. Turns out the Chicago Bulls weren't having any of that. They weren't going to let the San Antonio Spurs have Dale and Terry, and they took him with the number 18 overall pick. And I could not be happier for Dalen, who had his party up here, by the way, in Scottsdale, at Lolo's Chicken and Waffles. That is strong, dude. Like, that is that is a strong choice for a draft party. Like, Lolo's, if, you, if you've never... If you've never indulged, get you some. Like, it, it's it's bomb. Like, get, get yourself some Lolo's Chicken and Waffles. So Dalen had his, you know, family and friends and coaches and, you know, former teammates and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Tommy Lloyd was up here in Scottsdale. He was at Lolo's getting himself some chicken and waffles. And uh, perfect place to have, to have a draft party like that. And Dalen was taking number 18 overall. Uh, and it was it was just awesome. Uh, to see the commissioner come up there and announce Dalen's name. Unfortunately, you know, Dalen, you know, wasn't invited to uh, to Brooklyn, but that's all right. Sometimes, sometimes those situations can be a little bit worse on a player than they can be a benefit. So I'm glad that Dalen had his own thing. You know, his dad Al said that that he, you know, he put together the entire party himself. Like he's the one who who scheduled it because you know, Dalen. He had an NIL deal with Lolo Chicken and Waffles. Um, he had NIL deals up here in Phoenix that I think a lot of people didn't even know about. Like he was with a company that I'm uh, that I'm close with, a company called Best Deal in Town, and he had an NIL deal with them as well. I talked to um, the president of that company, and he was like, he was a pleasure to work with um, because they did NILs with a bunch of guys like from ASU and stuff, and they're just like. <laughs> I can't repeat what he said about some of these guys because they're still uh, active athletes, academic athletes, if you will. He said Dalen was the, was perfect to work with, and was he's an ASU guy and is like can't stand University of Arizona, but he was like Dalen was the easiest person I've ever had to work with in my entire life, and it was a true pleasure. Um, here's what Sam Vecini had to say about Dalen Terry. This. I, I look. I read the entire article, the entire athletic article this morning. Sam Vecini's article. He has a paragraph, sometimes two paragraphs, on every single pick that was made in the draft last night, and his his paragraph about Dalen might be the most encouraging and 
uh, and flattering that you can you can ever of of like the entire article. This is what he said. Terry has been one of my favorites throughout the year. That's how he starts <laughs> how he starts the assessment. He was targeted early as someone I thought would be an exciting 2023 first round prospect because of his athleticism, his attitude, his ability to defend multiple position, and gifts to make plays as a passer for his teammates while also making good decisions. It's exceptionally hard to find this combination of skills in a player at the collegiate level. Arizona was 11 points per 100 possessions better when when Dalen Terry was on the court per pivot analysis, in large part because he impacts the game in so many different facets. It's hard to see how Terry is not a starter quality uh, start, a starter quality player if his shot translates he just brings so many things nba teams are looking for from non-star players it might take some time with the jumper but he is a terrific bet to be a good player i, I mean there were people and there still are people and there were people late last night that still think that it was a mistake for dale and terry to jump to the nba I, I I just have to I I guess I'm like I don't know where your mind is at like why 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 would you say that like why would you that other than just being completely selfish Wildcat fans which we all are look we all want to be selfish we all want these guys to stay here forever and you know help us try to win championships and go to Final Fours and all that win Pac-12 championships fact of the matter is Dalen was ready for the NBA and it's obvious because he was taken just outside the lottery. And Sam Vecini, who has earned a reputation uh, of of being one of the better, uh, you know, talent evaluators of the media and such, thinks the world of Dale and Terry. Literally, first thing he says, has been one of my favorites throughout the year. Says that it's exceptionally hard to find Dale and Terry's combination of skills in a player at the college level. And he's 100% right. Like all, I mean, all these things. We saw Dalen improve himself so vastly over the last couple of years. I saw Dalen when he was a junior in high school. And I remember talking to Kyle Dodd, who is, everybody knows Kyle, and Kyle and I are friends. We've been friends for a long time. Uh, because Kyle has, I, I will say this, you don't know what Kyle has done for the University of Arizona on a, on a lot of levels. <laughs> I know that sounds strange to hear. But uh, without Kyle Dodd, the University of Arizona never gets Kyle Fogg. I, I am 100% guarantee you that. Ne- Kyle Fogg is never a Wildcat without the likes of Kyle Dodd, period. Anyway, Kyle and Dalen were friends. They were camped uh, together. Kyle taught him at a camp when he was younger and was telling me, you got to check this kid out. So I went to watch him as a junior. And he was running point, uh, and I was like, who is this kid that's going to get carried off by a stiff breeze someday? <laughs> he's he's a wet noodle. Like, what do you mean? He, you know, like he, this, you know, this kid. And you could tell, like, he was tough. Like, he'd get beat up and stuff. And he was he was the best player on the floor. Uh, when I saw him, two times I saw him, he was the best player on the floor. But the, the other teams were roughing him up. Like, they were trying to rough him up a little bit. And uh, it, it, but he was tough. He kept getting up and was you know was willing to get back in the mix and stuff. And kind of had this like dagger mentality about him. I was like, I kind of like the kid. He's got some grit. I like him. Kept an eye on him. Sean Miller was take, keeping an eye on him too and was, 
in the middle of, of a recruiting process with Dalen and felt like he could develop Dalen into that that premier off ball you know off ball type of, of, of wing player who would you know carry the you know carry the load uh, when a point guard went to the bench or things like that could you know develop him into uh, a point guard style a ball handling style wing and Dalen has done all of those things uh, and really you know has excelled in so many ways and he has grown like I mean I literally re- I remember saying goodbye to him after the 2021 season. And then seeing him the first day of the 2021-22 season, and I was like, "Oh, young man, <laughs> what, what what happened to you? You you bulked up like you he grew like two inches. He bulked up. He was looking like a man, looking like looking like a pro basketball player is what he looked like to me. And he got picked number 18 overall by the Chicago Bulls, and they're gonna love him in Chicago. And uh, I know the Chicago social media and stuff." You know they like uh, they they call themselves uh, shy slamma jamma there with Zach Levine and you know all the you know the, all the high flyers that they have there. So they they put together a little highlight reel of Dalen's dunks that he had at Arizona, and people were going nuts, man. The fans were going crazy. They're they're very happy uh, with the pick. So and rightfully so. So very very happy for Dalen in getting taken number eighteen overall to the Chicago Bulls. We're gonna take a timeout. When I return, Christian Coloco was waiting for a little while, waiting a little while, and then suddenly had his name called. I, I, I nailed it. Not to pat myself on the back, but I, I nailed that one. I don't, I don't often nail things like that. I nailed this one. We'll talk about that next here on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to The Jeff Dean Show here, talking NBA draft specifically. Your three Arizona Wildcats taken within the first 33 picks. Because Christian Coloco was the lone remaining Wildcat waiting to be selected. And with the number 33 overall pick, the Toronto Raptors made their choice. And that was Christian Coloco, uh, just as I predicted yesterday. Said on the show, I got it written down right here. I have proof. I've written proof right here. Christian Coloco, sitting right here, number thirty-three, Toronto Raptors. Talked about it yesterday on the show. <laughs> the one thing I one thing I got right pretty much all year. Look, you know how I feel about Christian Coloco. If you listen to the show, you know how, exactly how I feel about CeeLo. I think that he was the better. The better pick, the better prospect in this draft than Walker Kessler, who went, I think he went number 22 overall, uh, the seven-foot center from Auburn. I don't think that, that Christian gets the credit that uh, that he deserves from some of the from some of the scouts, and even I, I thought Sam Vecini's, you know, write-up on him was a little, uh, you know, I, I think some of the things he said were um, were, were off base, in my opinion. He said he's a great rim protector. He finishes plays above the rim athletically. There isn't much else here. Well, I, I disagree with that. <laughs> I mean, I, I disagree with that 100%. I disagree with that because there's a lot more to his game than rim protection and playing above the rim. We saw Christian Coloco able to close out on perimeter guards, taking jump shots. I mean, he had, what do you have? I think he had 11 block shots on three-point attempts this year. Led the, led the Pac-12 in that, uh, in that statistic. He was also able to go out and guard ball handlers, premier ball handlers, 
at the top of the key and make them divert the offense and start moving the ball around. That's huge. Like if, I mean, you watch college basketball and dudes get torched by prime ball handlers every day, every game, 10, 12 times a game. And CeeLo was able to shut that down. And that's, that's kind of huge, you know, for anybody, but for a, a seven footer to be able to go out and do that against a guard is ridiculously impressive. <clears throat> now I will say this. I felt like his best position in the NBA would be, I mean, obviously as a center, but the, the type of fit that he needed to go into was a team that plays drop coverage on defense and a team that plays with good pace, you know, a, 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 a more of a, a rapid athletic pace on offense, which the Toronto Raptors are. I mean, they're, they're like Phoenix Suns light, basically, are the Toronto Raptors. They play... A, a primarily drop coverage. So, you know, if you've watched Suns basketball, if you're not familiar with, with what drop coverage is, if you're not familiar with umbrellas, uh, you know, type of defense and such, if you watch what the Phoenix Suns did and how DeAndre Ayton would often step out on on uh, on screens, would end up being matched up on guards and things like that, and then being able to rotate back once the ball came inside – that's basically, you know, kind of what drop coverage is in, in a very basic sense. But if you if you watch the Phoenix Suns, Suns play a lot of drop. Okay, the the Raptors play almost 100% drop, but they also were number eight in the NBA in offensive pace last year. And Christian is a great open court runner. He's a he's a fantastic sprinter. In fact, of all the centers in this draft, he was the second fastest in all of the like shuttle times, you know, the sprint times and things like that. He was, you know, at seven feet tall at that position. And, you know, being as long and lanky as he is, he was still very quick and fast and able to get into position quickly. So it's important that he got into a situation like, which is why I thought Toronto was the perfect spot for him. I just, I was like, Toronto does everything that he excels at already. And if he can show that he can step out and hit that three-pointer every now and then, like he did this season, at, at, you know, at times he showed that he could step out. And I watched, you know, I watched Christian in pregame shootarounds and things like that. And, and you know, he was always practicing his threes. Every player does. Every player has to practice them. And he was always consistent. Like I just, I was always like, man, you know, you see this all the time, though, right? I mean, you watch enough basketball, you watch enough shootarounds. Big men are out there shooting the ball, and you're like, man, this. This guy actually has a nice touch on his shot. And then you get into a game, and, you know, the, for the season, they're like one for 13 on the season. You know, like, okay, well, it's just a practice gym shooter, you know. But I think I think CeeLo can actually convert to uh, a guy who can hit, a, you know, one or two threes a game in the NBA. In, you know, if, he, if he ends up playing 18 to 22 minutes a game as a backup center, gets the occasional start when, when they're resting the starter or the starter gets injured or something like that or, you know, what, what, you know whatever happens. Uh, I, I think he's going to be able to get himself some guaranteed some guaranteed contract work in the uh, in the NBA, whether that be with the team that drafts him with the Toronto Raptors or with somebody else who picks him up as a second contract uh, kind of situation. But I do believe that that CeeLo is going to have a nice career in the NBA. Um, you know, I, again, like Vecini says, you know, Sam Vecini says he's a, he's a guy with with a reasonable chance to stick, but probably not an impact player. That's a good, solid second-round pick worth a guaranteed contract. I don't know if, if CeeLo is going to be an impact player in the NBA, but I never said that he would. 
I just felt like his impact would be greater than Walker Kessler, who was drafted 11 spots before he was, and given that first-round guaranteed money. He's going to make, you know, $2 million a year. I just feel like CeeLo, he's, he's better fit for the NBA. And there are other people that agree with me, and that's, you know, I, I, I just – Giving you know what I what I see basically, and I got to see a lot of Christian Coloco, and like I've said before on this show, prior to watching Christian Coloco's ascension and rise within this program, I'd always felt like I'd never seen a player develop more from beginning to end at Arizona than Channing Frye did when he during his time here, and in my opinion, Christian Coloco rivals that you know that type of rise that that you know, change in game from day one to the final day that he was here, he rivals what Channing Frye did in his time at Arizona. Uh, you know, again, not the not the player that Channing Frye was. First of all, they're, they're very different players. Second of all, Channing was, you know, ended up being, uh, obviously carved out an incredible NBA career for himself. And he's a fantastic basketball player. Uh, and, and, you know, Christian, I think, you know, has the opportunity to do that. I mean, he's, you know, he's he is 22, so I get that he's a little bit older than you know than some of the players coming into the uh, coming into this draft. But uh, I still think that he's only scratched the surface, and that uh, there's there's some good things to come from from CeeLo, and I think Toronto made a damn good pick, and I think they made the right pick. That was that was the perfect pick for them in that situation. So. Three guys drafted into the top 33. I thought it was a banner night for Arizona basketball. They were uh, prominently uh, featured on television, uh, social media, a lot of things, and not just locally, here nationally. Ben Matherin was, I mean, on The Athletic, I talked about yesterday, their lead story on the NBA draft, the header was a picture of Benedict Matherin in an Arizona uniform. And today... On the same, you know, on the athletic is a picture of Ben in his, that red suit that he wore. That thing was, wow, that thing was striking, huh? Holy smokes. <laughs> that thing was, that's pretty slick. I like that. And, uh, look, Ben was very emotional, and that's all, uh, that's all well and good. I, I like that kind of stuff, too. You should be emotional. So it's, it's a big, it's a big moment for your family, especially, like I said yesterday, if you didn't get a chance to read Bruce Pascoe's article about, where Ben came from, uh, you need to get on that. Like, get on to Tucson.com, Arizona Daily Star's website, and and read that read that article. It is it's eye opening if you're not familiar with Ben's story and just how bad things were for him at a young age. He lost his brother when he was 12 years old to a uh, to a car accident. Um, grew up in a in a really bad part of of uh, of Montreal, North North Quebec, there, which is it's Quebec Nord, I think, is what it's called. Um, it's, it's it's a bad spot, man. It's rough, and you know people kind of maybe not give it the credit because you know it's not you know it's not uh, uh, East Chicago, it's not East LA, it's not Western St. Louis, it's not you know the mean streets of New York City, you know whatever. Uh, it's you know it's 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 a rough spot though, and. Uh, it was great to see him there with his his mom and his sister, and of course Jack, Coach Murph, associate head coach there, right alongside him. Good to see Murph on TV, and uh, it was great. It was great to take in the whole NBA draft last night, and uh, very very happy and proud of our Wildcats, and we'll look forward to watching them at the next level. It's going to be fun. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll start to transition into some other national news. 
college football had a big announcement yesterday as a uh, big-time quarterback makes his commitment for the 2023 season. We'll talk about that next here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on this Football Friday. Talking some college football here is Archie Manning, or Arch Manning, I should say. It, has, it sounds weird because, like, you say, usually say, like, arch rival. Like, it means you're your ultimate rival, right? So is it ultimate Manning? According to some people, he might be the ultimate Manning because not only does he have the bloodline of the greatest minds of the quarterback position, uh, his uncles, of course, Eli and Peyton, and the grandson of Archie, um, they say that you know his athleticism is off the charts as well. He ran for like 600 yards this year uh, from the quarterback position. Six foot three, 205 pounds. He's got it all. He's the the can't miss number one ranked college football recruit. And I was getting text messages from my buddies yesterday, and they're like, "Is is he the 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 greatest can't miss prospect in the history of college football?" I'm like, I I don't know, man. Like, who knows? I mean, he was being recruited by everybody. Ole Miss, Tennessee, Bama, Clemson, LSU, Georgia, Texas. I mean, everybody. Like all, all of the big programs were, were were recruiting him. Well, he committed to Texas yesterday to play for Steve Sarkeesian, and apparently it was a cerebral approach, an old school approach to the uh, to the recruiting process. He wanted to know how well the the quarterback room gets along with their coaches and wanted to see, you know, get to know the guys in the quarterback room, Quinn Ewers and uh, uh, Malik, uh, what was it, Malik Madras, is that his name? I can't remember. The the quarterback they just signed. Anyway, um, doesn't matter. He's not going to be there much longer (laughs) because he's going to transfer. I will say this. If you just committed to Texas in the state that that program is in, under Steve Sarkeesian, who has been underwhelming as a coach pretty much his entire career, as a head coach at least. He was drunk on the field at USC. Uh, he's been underwhelming in other places he's gone to. Yes, he had success in elevating Alabama's offense to great heights. That's what happens when you have five-star players at every single position, when you have three wide receivers drafted in the first round in two consecutive drafts. That's, that's those kind of things are going to happen. It tells me, <laughs> listen, I've been to a lot of college campuses across this country, a lot of them. Every single one of them to Pac-12. I've been to, it's like 11, 12, 12 more outside of that? 13, maybe 13, somewhere around there. 11, 12, 13 more outside of the Pac-12. Seen a lot of things, been around a lot of people, seen a lot, done a lot of stuff on those campuses. I can tell you this, without a shadow of a doubt, without question, if, if you were to ask me which campus has the best-looking females. Which campus has the best views, if you will? For a young man, there is nobody is even close to Austin, Texas. So I think Arch may be a little bit of a ladies' man, and that's why he chose to go to Austin, Texas, because why would you go play for Steve Sarkeesian? Would you could go play for national championships at any of the other four or five schools that he was recruited by. Got to be the girls, man. Trust me. If you've ever been to if you've ever been to the campus in Austin, you know what I'm talking about. It's it is insane. 
the uh, the viewing, uh, I guess, level that you get there. It, it is, it, uh, it's not even close. Like people ask me, like, what's you know, the best looking girls? Like, Austin, Texas. Without question. Arch may be a little bit of a ladies man. Good luck, Arch. All right. Hour number one is in the books. This final edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Hour number two coming up next. We'll talk some NFL and a whole lot more. Stay tuned. Hour number two of the Jeff Dean Show right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.